0: Welcome to the Deer Land Podcast. It's episode number nine, part 2 I'm your host, Mike Boley. I got the big butt killer himself coming from North Breck. It's Mr. Louie Zinn. How are you, Lou? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? Doing good. We've also got our resident land specialist, the one and the only, Tyler Sellins. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing well, Mike. Well, here we are at uh, Boley Farms, our first time being here.
1: We've the taken, deer, deer paradise.
0: Well, something. It, it, was a, it was a good place to be this year if you were a deer hunter, not so much if you were a deer. Um, we've been off for a little while, kind of got through the holidays, and then uh, we did have another episode for you, um, which was episode number nine, part one. However, when uh, Louie and I recorded it, uh, we had some uh, technical difficulties that we weren't aware of at the time and uh in turn everything was recorded on the laptop microphone it's there and we may release it as some uh special episode when we're um known around the world for our uh, Deerland podcast but uh, for the time being we didn't feel like uh the quality of it met what we were hoping to uh, get out to you guys so it's still here it's saved it's edited uh, ready to drop but uh another day so
1: yeah it was uh Probably our best episode we ever. I well, think so. Actually. I mean, it was a uh, after after a good day. You it know, was squirrel. Uh, we were eating squirrel. We were like. eating squirrel. Yeah, we had uh,
0: we had tried some squirrel from uh, the Stephen Ranella the Mediator Fish and Game Cookbook, which I just happen to have a copy of right here next to me. Uh, we tried a recipe out of that, and I got to say, it was uh, it was quite good. It's great. So, um, but uh, anyways, I mean, there wasn't uh, anything huge on that episode it was just more of us kind of hanging out and doing a little bs and um yeah so the, w-
1: the weather was good that weekend i think we recorded it, so we were outside doing some i did a bunch of uh, habitat uh stuff uh, hinge cutting and you were out squirrel hunting and yeah yeah we were having we, a good time
0: we did it was it was fun um been out a couple times squirrel hunting uh myself and mr sellens also went out we oh, killed. We killed a few. We did kill a few. Um, Some of us killed more than others. It started kind of slow that day. Um, you know, I, the the time I went before, I think I missed three shots, but only one squirrel got away. Something like that. I mean, I was I was on it that first day that I went out, and then when Tyler and I went out. Um, we started a little slow. wasn't seeing a whole lot. We kind of split up, and you know, you went one way, I went another way, and uh, the squirrels started moving. We got on some, and I think I I killed three squirrels in my first four shots, and then I think I killed two squirrels over my next like seven shots, something like that. Um, so I started off uh, on a on a tear and then ended kind of slow.
2: Um, But it was still fun. It was a a good time. Are you sure about that, Mike? Because I think you only came back with two squirrels that night.
0: No, no, no. Oh,
2: yeah, because I remember when it came time to clean the squirrels, you walked to the buggy and grabbed two squirrels and said, these are mine, like I was going to have to clean the rest of them by myself. Well, I don't remember. I remember that.
0: It's been too long. All I know is is I've got a gallon bag full of squirrel in the freezer right now.
2: Did you perfect how to skin
1: them?
0: Uh, We had a pretty good system, actually. I Uh, skinned
2: them, threw them to Mike. Mike worked on gutting them, and then he'd kind of hold it, and we'd cut a little bit and get it done real quick. So it didn't take long. I think we
0: did seven squirrels, um, and it probably took us 15 minutes, 20 minutes probably Mm -hmm. to get through them. I mean, it, it went pretty quick, pretty Pretty smooth operation. Still kind of doing the the tail skin method yeah. uh, that, we were, that we were. We were kind of getting the
1: hang of it yeah. towards the end.
0: It does. It just takes some time, is all. So um, we'll have to get them fried up one of these days. I don't know if we'll hold them off till turkey camp. Possibly, maybe do them up uh, for turkey camp or not. So um, other than that, you know we we did a little bit of deer hunting there towards the end of the season. Obviously, I was bucked out. Uh, Tyler still had a, a couple tags in his pocket, so he hunted uh, my farm here a few times.
2: I've still got them in my pocket. Still got them
0: in his pocket, yeah, yeah. And uh, I did uh, go out on uh, the last day. So the last weekend of, of bow season was just brutal weather. I mean, it was frigid, there was a bunch of snow out. And I had plans the whole weekend to sit on this exact couch we're sitting on and watch this exact 70-inch TV that's in front of us and do nothing the whole weekend.
2: <laughs>
0: However, Tyler decided he needed to hunt, and he, pro- he should. I mean, we had I a h- bunch of snow.
2: I hunted Thursday. Yep. I saw 28. Yep. And then Friday, I, don't think I, did, I didn't hunt here no. Friday. I hunted somewhere else. Yep. And then that Saturday, I twisted your arm to go. Yeah, so. And, and I didn't notice the cold weather. I mean, I just I got in the blind and...
0: No, once you get out there,
2: it's fine. You know, reach down, turn the heater on and strip yeah. some clothes off. I was doing good.
0: Except he's in the blind with the heater and I'm in the blind that doesn't have a heater. Well, we've got three blinds out here now. One of them is actually his and then two of mine. And the, the one that I have with the heater is not the one that I was hunting. Um, but that, that wasn't really the point of it. The problem was is it means I had to get dressed. Um, I had to get all my stuff together. I mean, I... I wasn't ready to bow hunt. I mean, I had already said uh, I'm done for the year, so I had to get all that stuff gathered up, and then I had to go outside, where it's colder than a well digger's ass, to go out and hunt for an antlerless deer, <laughs> and I just didn't want to. And then we go out, and that first Saturday, we had literally had what 15, 16 inches of snow. It had been drifting, and by the time that I thought, by the time that I got to the blind, which is only as the crow flies, maybe. 200 yards from my house uh i thought i was gonna have the big one i mean it was brutal brutal walking so i get settled in the blind and i didn't really need a heater because i let off enough body heat that it was unbelievable and then so we got out didn't shoot that night
2: uh we saw saw 41 that night
0: yeah and i had a few right i was hunting a small food plot well where i where i killed uh uh, that 160 at earlier in the year and uh, killed a doe in that same field. That's where I killed my 150 at. Nice little, little small plot, it's a half acre of food. It's in uh, some brassicas uh, this year. And I, I had a chance at one, and I let her get to uh, 20 yards, 25 yards, somewhere in there. And I was just waiting on her to turn broadside on me. She was just coming straight at me, and then she started to kind of nose around. So I was getting ready and she finally got broadside and I had my bow up and just slowly pulled it back quiet as all get out and there was seven deer right out in front of me but she pegged it and she bounded off like 25 yards and then stopped and she just kind of looked around and then she walked off and the other deer like oh, I don't know what that was and eventually filtered off so um didn't uh didn't get anything tagged that night um so then Sunday rolls around and I get a you know um A lecture from Tyler again about needing to go. Last I didn't
2: lecture you. Hey, I didn't twist your arm. I just said if you want to go, I'm going. You enjoyed it seeing all the deer. Well, I mean, it was. I I told you that night when we came back here. I said there's never been 41 deer on this farm ever. No, until you put food on it. Yeah, and that just goes to show right there what the power of food can do. It it is food. Food is key. You know, is king really? And
0: we'll we'll get into more of that. You know, as this this podcast goes on, but. Uh, so then the next day, um, you know, for anybody that knows me or seen photographs of me, uh, I'm not the most swelt figured man you've ever seen, and it doesn't uh, come easy. I mean, I get it honest. So instead of uh, trekking through knee-deep snow all the way to the blind, when you've got um, utility vehicles in the garage, I said, hey, why don't we hop on the old buggy, electric buggy, and ride it about halfway, at least get us through the yard and down through the timber little ways, which was, for me – more than half my walk he still had a little bit further to go but so that's what we did we drove the buggy down to the creek crossing ditched it there and uh went out and sat and you know it was pretty slow where i was at um which i knew i mean i wasn't going to see dozens of deer in my location but i knew i would see something but i think Early on, even I mean, you would you bump a couple coming in? Um, I know you bumped some turkeys, but
2: I bumped turkeys, but then I had some does come out and they went back in, and I just had kind of deer in and out of that field all night, and it was uh, I think between time of the night was over, we would had I think between you and I like thirty two out that night, something like that, yeah. But I had twelve or fifteen bucks come out. I had one buck that was already well, it was the. Um, Oh yeah,
0: he had a just a unicorn side coming on one side. Yeah, just
2: like a beam. It was he's a was a double main beam. Yeah. But he yeah. broke one side early like September, I think. Yeah, well, very figured early. Out. Yep. But he uh he came out, he'd shed one side already. But the the funny part of it is is I'm like, oh, I want to shoot a doe, you know, just mm-hmm. get a little more dough or deer meat mm-hmm. and because uh, we made a bunch of summer sausage and I really didn't have much left and so we uh I had this little group of does come in, they're right at thirty yards, I'm like, All right, you know, and window open and and uh, I, I get the bow, and I'm watching them, and I'm, they're all together. I'm like, all right, got to split up here before I can shoot. And I'm just, like, seconds away from thinking, okay, I'm going to draw back and shoot. Heads go up, field clears. Well, yeah. And I'll let Mike finish the re- rest of it because now I know why it cleared. So, afterwards.
0: literally, I mean, we're – I don't know. I guess I haven't really measured the distance. We're probably 300 yards apart um Tyler's in my big field uh they're separated by a little draw I bet um, we're not 200 yards apart yeah it's probably closer to 200 at that blind was Mike taking a leak out the window (laughs) (laughs) no that was the night the night before so I get a message from Tyler the night before he's like shut your window you're scaring all my deer off well the reason my window was open is because I was getting ready to shoot a deer uh, attempt to shoot a deer um so that was the problem we were having is is we were almost too close with the wind i mean one of us one of us was going to be all right the other one you know we were going to get the other one in trouble but uh so then on on sunday on this last day uh this deer come out and uh there was a few different ones and i'm thankful that multiple uh classes of antlerless deer came out because as i think we've talked about before If you just have three antlerless deer out there that are all the same size, it can be tough to tell. Is that a yearling, a fawn, a mature doe? I mean, you wouldn't think it would be that hard to tell because when you get the different sizes next to each other, it's clear to see who is who. And that was the problem that I was running into on the night before. Uh, I had a couple button bucks that I believe were button bucks that I didn't shoot at that I could have. But this night it was clear. I had uh, a couple mature does couple fawns, and then a couple yearling bucks had come out. So I had my eye on this one doe that was clearly a mature doe. However, uh, she just wasn't working in my way, and the does, the fawns would come in and get pretty close, and so I had... One window opened, and then they were moving over to another, so then, opened another window. Well, then the one I wanted moved over to a third window, so I ended up with all three windows open that were in front of me, not knowing what was going to happen. So, at this point, I had made my mind up that this one particular doe is the one I was going to shoot. It was her or nothing. And uh, I kept waiting on her, waiting on her, and obviously, I'm wearing uh, just like a long sleeve shirt, T-shirt. No gloves, no nothing, because you know it gets pretty warm. Even without a heater in these blinds, you know it gets pretty comfortable. And so, I mean, I had uh, base layers on, uh, and then heavy pants. But I like my upper body. I like to keep uh, as little stuff as possible on it, just you know, to shoot the bow. Ozonics running, or uh, no, no, I didn't have the run running. I'd actually already um, put the the batteries into storage mode, and you know, I'd put that away. But I had a, I had a good enough wind that that I wasn't worried about. Um,
2: you ever put your batteries in storage mode? I've never really? heard of that. What you happened? know, I didn't. I didn't <coughs> either. You gotta, like,
1: drain them?
0: Yeah, it, there's a mode on the HR300s anyways. Oh,
2: I'm, I, know. I think you drain them and you
0: charge can't. them halfway. No, there's up. a there's a button you actually push discharge. On, on the 300. You, you discharge the battery. So run the batteries dead and then put them in the charger. And once it starts charging, you hit this storage mode button and then it'll take care of it. Then every two or three years you're supposed to do it. I didn't do any of it the first year and I had a battery go bad on me. Mm -hmm. Um, Just wouldn't hold a charge. Luckily Ozonics made it right and sent me a new battery. But so now I try to, I I can get bad about remembering three months from now to do something, but at least at the beginning of the year, I try to uh, get them put into storage mode right away. So no, it didn't have the Ozonics. Um, So we're starting to lose daylight, legal light, I should say. We had plenty of light because it was a full moon. There was snow everywhere on the ground, clear sky. I mean, you know, so you need to be watching your watch because if you weren't, heck, heck, you're liable to sit out there for an hour and a half after sunset Mm -hmm. and still be able to shoot. Um, So I was watching the clock, and I think it was 534, if I remember right, was the end of legal shooting light that night.
2: It was about 532 when the deer cleared the field because – I was watching that too. I'm like, all right, there's like 2 minutes left. Time to make it happen.
0: So, I, here was my concern is I'm out here um just to shoot a dough. I mean, and I guess more as it's last day of season, you know? I mean, it's going to be a long time before opening day rolls around or before we get back out again and I'd had a great year and just kind of to go out and reminisce and and still shoot a dough. I mean, uh like Tyler said, we could use a little bit more meat for for certain things. But it's getting there at the end of the end of the night in a shooting light, and I'm trying to wait as long as I can too because I'm thinking, what if he's got a shooter buck in front of him? I don't want to be the one to blow it. But when we get down to you know just a few minutes to go, I'm like, all right, it's every man for himself at this point. So uh, I did. I shot it at two minutes till, and it was kind of a it was kind of a rodeo inside the blind. Um, the deer was at thirty five yards, I think. Or thirty yard, thirty or thirty five. But anyways, I'm shooting a single pin sight, and I had the I had the pin set at about twenty five yards, which usually is good to thirty. Um, but I was wanting to drop it because the deer were real nervous. You know that night it was it was pretty calm. It wasn't super blowing, and I couldn't get the darn pin to move. And I had locked it into place so it wouldn't automatically or accidentally move. And then I couldn't remember which knob it was. That moved it, and it's you know somewhat dark in the blind, and so I'm undoing all these knobs. I just couldn't get it, so finally I said, All right, I'm shooting a very fast bow. Um, just
1: aim a little high, just aim
0: a touch high, but I wasn't going to aim too high because I they're going to drop, expected that she's going to drop. So, um, and sure enough, she gets broadside, we're pretty darn close to broadside, anyhow. And I get drawn back, and as soon as I draw back, I mean, she knows something's up, she's looking right at me. And I didn't have a whole lot of time, so I buried it down on her and let the arrow go, and she took off. Um, the other deer kind of stayed in the field at first, and then uh, most of them ran off as well. And then one of her fawns, like, was stuck in the field not knowing what the heck just happened. So I'm trying to, to look and see where she goes, and I honestly, I thought I missed her low. And I'm shooting a lighted knock now, which, again, I'll never shoot at another deer with a bow and arrow that doesn't have a lighted knock on it as long as I live. Um, So I'm I'm watching the field, seeing what everyone's doing, and I kind of lost track of which one she was as she ran towards Tyler to the south. But then I seen a deer take off into the timber, um, high jumping, um, tail was up. So I thought, well, I wonder if that was her. So I waited a little while and it was frigid that night. I think it, the, the actual temperature was five. I don't know what the real feel was, but it was below zero. It was It was cold. So I just went ahead and packed up everything in the blind, kind of closed the blind up for the year, put all the curtains back up, and uh, got everything ready to go. and then climbed down and went and found my arrow, which again, this lighted knock. It was buried under a foot of snow. But the, the knock was light enough, it lit up the whole snow, so you knew exactly where your arrow was. Otherwise, I never would have found this arrow. I mean, not in a million years, until the spring, probably. So I grabbed the arrow, pulled it out, didn't look promising at all. I'm like, oh, shoot, must have missed. Well, then I, you know, I'm trying to look closer inspection, so I got my phone out with a, you know, a white light. I had a green headlamp on. And so I'm looking real close, and sure enough, I could see, you know, some blood on it, um, and from the fletch, I mean, from the the broadhead to the fletch, there was some there was some blood and stuff on it, but a little bit of fat on it too. So I was a little concerned. There's
2: a fair amount of fat on that arrow. Yeah,
0: there was a decent amount of fat on and it. And Some
2: white hair, so. and not
0: covered in blood by any means. I mean, it's not your your blood-stained arrow. But I knew I had hit her, so I went ahead and walked back. I didn't realize that Tyler had already gone back to the buggy and was sitting waiting on me. And uh, so we went back to the garage and looked at the arrow again, got a better idea of what we were going to do. And uh, hopped on the four-wheeler because the the electric buggy wasn't doing so swell with the the cold. The batteries weren't uh, holding up like they should. So we got on the old four-wheeler, drove back to where uh, I last seen her at in this big field. And as soon as we pull up, sure enough, there's blood standing there where she had stopped. And and Tyler wasn't extremely convinced that we were going to find this deer, that it was, you know. Based on the arrow. Yeah.
2: The the arrow was... Not good. I mean, not good. you start seeing fat on there, it kind of makes you wonder. You know, and
0: w- I guess we kind of went through the, the same thing with uh, the mule deer buck, too. I didn't think we were going to find that one either. And uh, So we picked up the trail, and uh, the blood started to get a little bit better. By the time we got 30 yards to the edge of the timber and got in the timber, I think you said, yeah, we're going to find this deer.
2: I mean, yeah, there was, was blood pretty, everywhere. Pretty easy to follow.
0: And uh, we made it, I don't know, maybe 20 yards, and, and there she was. And she probably wasn't.
2: She's a solid 50 down there. I thought she was probably I guess I she, uh, my she mind was, was getting she was ahead of
0: myself. She she wasn't very far from where we found the mule deer buck. I going to say
2: she was very close yeah, to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, 20 yards within 20 yards of where we found the mule deer buck in this in the same area. So, um pretty good size. We got her drug out and uh again, we didn't jinx ourselves, so we didn't even bring a knife, so I had to run back and get a knife and uh, i was even a nice guy and gutted it he did he did Mm -hmm. i I will give you credit for that which is probably a good thing because i'm i'm not the most proficient at it i'm getting better and it was so frigidly cold that he had that thing done in no time Mm -hmm. i mean of course normally i guess when you've helped me it's been with antler deer that we're trying to save the cape and you know takes a little bit more time and not with this one we we Mm -hmm. went to town and wasn't no time we had her done and drug her back to the house and I had just recently, uh, for Christmas, I had gotten an uh, an electric winch or an electric hoist to put in the garage for deer, and for some reason, I had decided to go ahead and just get it installed. We had a, a good, nice day out one side one day, so I just went out, hooked it up, and uh, I had also gotten a, a digital scale, hanging digital scale, to put on there, so I thought, well, let's just try this out, see what she is, I mean, just for shits and giggles, I guess, so. We backed her up and uh, hooked her up. 130 pounds on the nose, field dress. So it's wow, a big deal. She was a uh, she was pretty good size for
2: sure. Um, Best decision we made that night was cutting oh. the deer up and getting it deboned and before she froze. Oh yeah, I She's, mean she'd still be froze.
0: Originally, that was the plan. We we were just going to get her skinned, obviously right away. We knew that was would be a bad deal if we didn't, and we were just going to cut the back straps out, maybe. Um, and we started doing it, and again, we had kind of a little system. I was at the table with a knife, and you know, Tyler was was cutting, throwing meat down, and I was cutting it up. And what we ended up doing was just uh, deboning it all, throwing it in, throwing it into gallon-sized bags, and throwing it in the freezer. And we'll get to it later. Uh, but thankfully we did because that's when uh, Mother Nature just went uh, sideways on us around here, and it, it hasn't really let up since until this past weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, it did warm up a little bit, but negative 30, negative 40 wind chills. Yeah, um, so it's been brutal.
0: It was it was bad, but uh, yeah, so we got that all done, and um, last deer of the year. I mean, I guess for me it's uh, I killed four deer this year, which is um, about the, not much more than the amount of deer I'd killed prior to that in my entire life. I mean, I just have never killed a lot of deer. Um, I think I'd killed maybe six before that. So a very successful year to me, a very fun year, very rewarding year. I learned a lot. Uh, got to share a lot of it with, you know, you two and also with our listeners. Um, very excited about next year. Um, what, uh, what that may hold. Um, The food plot system that we've got going on here has been fantastic. Um, January 20th, which was the last day, that Sunday was the last day that we hunted, I still had a fair amount of beans in my bean plots. And I think I planted about two and a quarter, two and a half acres of staining beans. Um, And about, I don't know, acre and three quarters, acre and a half of those still had a fair amount of beans left in them that day. Well, then we've got, you know, this foot and a half, two foot of snow, whatever it was over those two weeks, in frigid conditions, um, where the snow never left and the the temperatures were yeah. below zero forever, uh, I went back out uh, Saturday, I think it was, and you can't find a, a bean pod out there anywhere. Mm-hmm. They have, they have
2: cleaned it out. Um, it's probably the squirrels that cleaned you, cleaned you out on that.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. You've killed so many of them. I don't. Squirrel might land not around be, here. Yeah. might not be much around.
2: No,
0: I think I think we still got a, a pretty healthy population of the squirrels. Yeah, and the the turkeys are still holding on. When I went out Saturday, I. I jumped up a, a pretty big flock of turkeys that were out there okay. messing around. So,
1: yeah, um, we've had the type of temperatures that almost make it dangerous even for wildlife. I yes, know, I know they're pretty tough, but you know it's, it's got to be a stressor on them.
0: You know, and I I was thinking about that too. That you you add in the snow. I mean, the, right? That the really crusty snow. Yeah, that right. really makes things more difficult for them to find browse, If anything,
1: a um, lot of ice and just. Stuff that would be hard to dig through, Yep. you know, to find browse. It makes you wonder what they eat if you don't have corn and beans. You I know, mean, they must yeah. just eat the trees and the,
0: the bark and whatever they can and yeah. try to rely on some of their fat reserves. And, yep. um, you know, selfishly, part of me hoped that uh, I could have held some food a little bit longer, maybe to find some more sheds in the area. But ultimately, the, the main reason for those food plots was not to go sit on top of them and kill a deer over them uh i killed four deer this year Mm -hmm. um only one of them was killed uh in by any of those bean Mm -hmm. plots Mm -hmm. um so that wasn't the reason i put in all those beans it was mainly uh for late season to to help these deer when times get tough so Mm -hmm. um the food is is pretty scarce right now but we've gotten rid of our snow um so you know the the ground stuff's back and It's amazing, even with the snow out there, how much they'll dig through there to get to the clover. They love that Whitetail Institute, Imperial Whitetail Clover. Um, So now it's back open. Um, And then inside my standing beans, I have uh, all the triticale and um, oats and wheat and stuff like that interseeded in them. So hopefully we can get to some sunshine and some warm days and um, have some more green food for these guys to to be eating on. So,
1: But shed season has began. It, you know, it, it seems it, like it's early. That you know, they dropped early, and then, yep. I think well, most of them have shed already, which is. I'll
0: tell you what I enjoyed a little bit of seventy-five percent, maybe eighty. I don't know if there's been that. I don't many. think there's been that on many my farm. Shed.
1: There has. I really? mean, I just check cameras. It's you know, I in the last week, five to ten days. I, well, I went out and found one side, and he he shed. Uh, His first side two weeks ago, and then the other side five days later. Did you find both sides then? I just found the one side. I found the the most recent side he dropped, I found, like two days after he did it because I knew. I checked the the camera. So I'm sure it's depending on which farm and that sort of thing, but I think uh, most of them have dropped.
0: And and here I just had uh – I don't know, 30 or 40 deer in the neighbor's field by the house that I was watching. Just. And, and several, yeah. several bucks still holding. Wow. Um, so um, I'm hoping to get, maybe get permission to shed hunt one of the spots, but I usually don't have enough time to, mm-hmm. to shed hunt more than the areas that I want to mm-hmm. look at. So I don't know if I'll get to that or not. But
1: I just got a a really cool, I'm, I'd send it to you guys, a really cool Spartan camera picture. Oh, yeah. Two mm-hmm. bucks. Up on their hind legs, hitting each other, and both of those bucks had shed. And then, just previous to that picture, I think it was just a bachelor group of like five or six bucks that have been coming to the turnips every night. Uh, none of them have uh, a horn on them, and all five or six of them are bucks. So. wow, huh? I mean, I'd like to think on my place, eighty percent have dropped, but and uh, admittedly, I have still got to wait. I think it's to be safe. You still got to wait. Two or three yeah, weeks. there may be that
0: one. You know, in in this area, we've got a couple, you know, decent ones that I'm I'm wanting to yeah. hopefully have a chance to find their sheds too. You don't so, want to
1: go out there and bump them to some somewhere else. Well,
0: either. and I, I guess honestly looking back, if there's any deer that maybe even two or three years from now that I might shoot, I would rather find the shed myself and I don't have to spend a hundred dollars and mm-hmm. buy it from somebody else. So um, <laughs> that's why I wouldn't mind. uh You gave how much for that? Yeah, hundred dollars and i th- I think that it's supposed to be did a you video, end up doing it yeah I did I oh, swallowed my. your pride yep and i I just thought that the the animal deserved it um you know it is a beautiful shed it's a That's
2: the only thing that deserved it
1: it's a. i'd sell some- sell some of my yeah, sheds for a hundred bucks
2: I, I got some I'll sell you for a hundred bucks if you're <laughs> if you're buying sheds, it
0: is a pristine shed i yeah. mean it's it was a fresh drop um and it's – he's so similar that year to what he was this year. And I can't – when was that shed? Was that two years ago? Would have been the the 16 shed found in spring of 17. 16
2: found spring of 17. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I did it. I, I wasn't going to, but uh, – and, and I guess I need to be thankful that at least it was available for me to buy. I mean, some guys just wouldn't sell it. So, to some people, yeah. I mean, I'm crazy for spending $100 on a shed. Um, but – I think twenty, thirty years from now, it'll it'll be nice to have it with with the mount and to have the story and you know the shed was found just one hundred and fifty yards that way. You, you know? got both sides or just just one? one? Okay, just the one side. So cool. Um, but uh, at
2: least you don't find them like this, deer. Yeah, yeah. Tyler's holding the
1: uh, man. What a Missouri stud!
0: Just a giant, massive, unbelievable, massive deer. Mm-hmm. Um, heavy figuratively and literally uh, a heavy rack um, that unfortunately also comes uh, with a salvage tag included, mm-hmm. courtesy of the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. Um, a tough a tough go of it. I mean, you had a lot of history with this deer. Um, this deer had a pretty interesting fall.
1: Did you name the deer? Heavy. Heavy. Pretty original. Fitting.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit about... You know, the the fall that this deer had or even more of, you know, what your history of him
2: was. Uh, you know, it, it probably started, it uh, really started last year when I got pictures of him. He was a three-year-old. And it was one of those deer where you just saw him and it's just like that first picture. like, man, that's a nice deer, but he's really going to be a stud in another year or two. It, just because he had mass, a good frame to him, and, and uh, it, you know, was one of those. It was just, I, I had a bunch of pictures of him last year and about mid-November he just disappeared. And in my mind, I thought he's probably dead. Somebody killed him. Didn't know what happened. I didn't have any more pictures of him. And then last summer, got cameras out, and bam, he shows up right away. Only he had put on a lot more inches than what he was the year before. But, um, I mean, I had just piles of daytime photos of this deer. Um, I got some uh, neighbors, friends, um, that least next to us. But, you know, we kind of swapped back and forth, and I don't think they ever had they may have at the end there, they may have had a couple of pictures of him, but I don't think they ever had any pictures, but I just had, I mean, just I've got probably hundreds of pictures of this deer and a lot of daytime photos. And, and, uh, looking back, if I could have been hunting first of October probably could have, you know, had an opportunity cause I had some cameras right by stands and he was there. And, and, uh, dad had him in front of the, in, uh, r- right behind our shed there during uh bow season, 75 yards, the crossbow it was too far, but, um, and then I gave Dad a hard time because opening morning of rifle. Was se- this the deer? This is the deer. Okay. Okay. So so Tell this story. so the 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 deer during youth season got nicked on the back, and then November ninth he gets hit in the shoulder, with a bow. Um, somebody else hit him in the shoulder, and then November tenth, I think I got my days straight. November tenth was rifle season. Yep. Opening morning, there's yep. a camera that is probably seventy five yards from the bank's blind off to the west and I get a picture of this deer that goes by it.
0: And we talked about this on a previous episode as well. So
2: I've given dad a hard time about that yes. because he he was probably too focused looking somewhere else and the deer slipped behind him, but um and that's the last picture I had of that deer. And then I found him dead uh right about the end of the year. And he'd had it looked like so I, he had two wounds I knew of, and I found another one looked like somebody tried to shoot him head on with a rifle from uh, kind of in the brisket area, kind of laid that open. But I don't know if – you know, I'd heard a gunshot on on Christmas Eve during muzzler season. I don't know if somebody hit him then because it was kind of that direction, Um, didn't find him or, you know, what happened. But he could have just died of infection, could have died of anything. We don't – I don't know. But –
0: and you said that he had been shot uh, in the shoulder with a bow, correct? And then your dad went back actually and, and got the shoulder from the carcass, correct?
2: Yeah, he did. And actually, it was you know always you always think a deer shot in the shoulder is it going to live? Is it going to die? Is it going to make it? We don't know. You, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. But uh, what I thought was really interesting was that broadhead was lodged into the into the shoulder blade, but. The, the deer had had just started to grow bone around, around it, around yeah. the broadhead, It'll calcify, around just calcifying it, yeah. around it, and just and that was, so the broadhead was still in the shoulder, broadhead, and the insert still in the shoulder. Wow. Okay. So I I thought it was really neat how it just started to just grow bone around that, like it was just going to, encapsulate it, it and just heal itself. You
0: know, and I and I hear that they will do that. You know, that uh, inju- I, certain injuries like that they will.
2: And I think that just goes to show just how tough these animals are oh it's I mean, unbelievable if if i got shot the shoulder i'd just probably lay down and cry <laughs> die. Yeah, i don't know i mean <laughs> call me a wimp but i mean it's uh y- you know they get that and they just keep on going and
0: so there was a, a, a picture floating around on the internet uh, i do believe of a of a deer that had been shot like in no man's land, you know, below the spine, above, above the, the, back strap And there's just a hole and you look and you just see a hole and this deer's like eating a mineral lick or something. Um, yeah. So that just goes to show you just how resilient these animals are, just how much of a survivors that they are. I mean, we we're talking about, you know, animals surviving this winter and how rough it must be. I mean, but their everyday life is just nonstop, stop. Um, survival I mean they have to be that
1: way yeah but if they're wounded and they have to survive something like that I think oh, a lot of them succumb to the yes. injury which eventually this and that could have be.
2: been what happened to this deer I mean you know I, I think the, the the gunshot wound during U season I mean that was just literally a nick I saw I got a picture of him within a week later you know I, mean, I think even a couple of days later I had pictures of him but you could see where it was already scabbed back over and it was not a uh, you know, not a fatal or, or something that's going to be life-threatening by any means. But it could have been a combination between shot in the shoulder and yeah. hitting the brisket and infection, I mean, a number of things. But
0: Because we did have a pretty decent December. The weather wasn't horrible, actually. Uh, know, up December, until that point, no. December I mean, weather had been pretty good. Um, and I know it's easy for me to sit here and say, because it wasn't a uh, 180-inch deer that I was after, but at least you guys were able to, you know, find him um you've got the put some closure i guess to
2: and you've got him it's not a neighbor that found him um you and know i had piles of you know i've i said i've sat in the chair at home many nights here just holding the rack and looking at it just because of the mass on it just it's know, just,
0: just unbelievable it's I, indescribable i mean um, it's
2: just uh he's probably got 50 inches of mass on him and, and what I think his,
1: is he close to 180 do we already say he's that?
2: 180 and change yeah, he's, yeah. Awesome. And he's 50 inches of mass so um, awesome.
0: And we'll try to get some decent pictures of him, uh, and we'll put them on the Instagram account uh, just so you guys can see, and maybe Tyler can get us some of him, you know, on the hoof. And then uh,
2: – I've got videos. I've got still photos. I mean, just – she gives me a hard time, and I'm like, man, I was just – that. this was the one deer I, I really was after. and mm-hmm. You know, just had a lot of history with him and tried to catch up to him because I thought I knew where he was living. Sounds like
1: you were the only one in the neighborhood that never did see him I, or I did I never saw him. Dad
2: <laughs> saw him. I, I mean, I, yeah, I just –
1: and for Missouri, if you, you know, put that many inches on, and, I, you know, you're getting shot at by rifles, it's pretty impressive to get that big. If he's only four.
0: I think he was a four-year-old. Wow. But even if he's five, I mean. He's the
1: heaviest four-year-old I think I've ever that's
0: seen. That's just, it's, and it, it is, it's hard to put into words. And I hadn't seen it until tonight when Tyler got to the house. Um, but he had told me, I mean, this is a massive, heavy deer. And. It is, and then I picked it up, and you had told me that as well, that it's just heavy, literally heavy, unbelievable. Just a beautiful, beautiful uh, rack. Um, and, again, I'm, I'm thankful that you guys have it because I know that, you know, you'll display him with pride, and, um, and you know, I know what it's like. I had the, the mule deer buck this year that I chased after, and granted he weighed about a, a third of what this deer did and scored uh, significantly less and had uh, no mass compared to this thing. But <laughs> – Outside of that, I know the feeling of, you know, having a deer, going after him, having some history with him. Um,
2: It's great to sit here and hold the deer or hold the antlers and look at him and, you know, know the history he had with him. But I would have rather not found him this way. I'd have rather picked up some sheds and chased him next year, really. But, I mean, that's, uh, you know, the thrill of the hunt. But I guess that's Mother Nature.
0: But you still got a story, you know. I mean, uh, because here's another way to look at it. What if you had never seen this deer before, knew nothing about him, and you found it? Yeah, it'd be cool, but what's the story going to be 10 years from now? Oh, what's the story behind that deer? I don't know. Never seen before. Walked through the woods, and it there he it was. There it was you know? yeah, it's, so at least you've still got the story. Um, you can you can tell about him. He was still found on your farm. I mean, um, you know, you didn't get to, you know, take the meat um, or put your tag on it, but uh, you were still able to get a tag put on him. Um,
2: what and, I found neat was I could... Different times of the year, the summer months, I knew where he was. He was always on one end of the farm and never on the other. And then uh, the fall came, and then he kind of switched. He was in the middle of the farm, and then to the east end of the farm. And he never was. I think there was twice that I know of. He was back on the on the west end of the farm. But just to show you, I mean, deer kind of change their patterns and where they're at. Summer versus versus fall. Yep. And and again,
0: that's why a lot of guys you'll notice uh, your trail camera pictures uh early summer uh, just as the the antlers are developing they're in velvet you're going to probably see bucks that uh you won't see the rest of the year until possibly late season you know then maybe they'll come back late winter um and then you're going to have a new crop show up i mean not that you'll never see those deer again but you're not going to see them every deer or every day i had one this year that you know all the way through september i thought oh man you know he's with these other homebody deer it's going to be a deer I'm going to have a chance at well time October rolled around he was just gone I had one picture of him like October 16th or something at night uh at a at a mock uh rub tree that I'd put in um other than that never seen him again no other pictures no nothing um but I'm hoping maybe this year now that we've had a couple other bucks that were taken maybe he'll move in and and make this more of his home range so um but, no, that's that's just a, a stud of a deer, no doubt about it, um, something to be proud of. Um, nature can be cruel, I guess. That's, that's just a big part of it. And, you know, I think that's a big part of why we, us three in particular, you know, we're not just hunters, but we're also land managers and habitat managers, is we want to do whatever we can to improve our land, um, to make things maybe just a little bit easier for the wildlife. And it's not just the deer or the turkeys. I mean, it's rabbits and squirrels and birds and, um, you know, all sorts of other things. But these guys live a rough life. And if we can do just a couple little things uh, yeah. that can improve the habitat, and yes, there is a, a, a very good chance that it may also improve our hunting opportunities, I promise you that's not the only reason we go through all the stuff we go through is just to to improve our hunting chances.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know you talk about like the things to to help the deer. You know, I mean, you, you think about the conditions they go through. Well, let's think about the polar vortex that we had here this past. You know, was that last week? I think it was. Yeah, you know, just week. brutally cold temperatures and polar apocalypse. Y- yeah, polar apocalypse there. But Mike, you had. I mean, like you were talking about your food plot. I mean, white clean now. But maybe that's what it took to get it him helped through get that him and, through it and you know you could have lost some deer, Louie. I know you've mm-hmm. got a you've got a lot of beans standing next to you that there's a lot of deer using
1: i planted six acres and those were gone real quick this year luckily we've got farmers to the south of us that just couldn't get in the field because it was too wet in october november and uh yeah there's a lot of a lot of beans and corn standing it's Mm -hmm. like perfect it's like the perfect year for that you know like I count my blessings every nice young and up up and comer I've got still alive with that you get negative thirty temperatures, and I just got lucky to have
2: the food set eighty acres there.
1: of standing beans and eighty acres of standing corn within a hundred yards of some of my best bedding. It's like mm-hmm. it's just meant to be you know it's like and then I'm finding the sheds of some of my nice three and four year olds and it's just perfect year for having some farmers that couldn't get their beans out thank god we got sick something- like I, I, I saw one of the farmers um up the up the road and i pulled over and i'm like you know i i haven't sent my thank you card yet he's like what do you mean what, what what i said you've been feeding all my deer oh what what do you mean you're standing beans there's a hundred there's I don't want to say 100. There's a lot, you know. Yeah. It's a big number. They, they, they probably wouldn't They wouldn't pull 10 bushel
0: an acre at this point. I mean, no. He's like, know. oh, I
1: guess they won't be very good if I ever try to get them out. I'm like, no. yeah, probably not. No. You know, he, he was blown away by 100 deer. No way. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you'd he, be surprised.
2: And they can eat a lot, a lot yeah. more than, yeah. I mean, you started yeah. about your six acres is gone already. Mike, yeah. you had two and a half back here. Yeah, you know, and our, my, my deer
0: numbers, my resident deer numbers are pretty small. You know, we try to keep it that way um but the the neighborhood still has a good amount of deer but i think by the end of this winter by the time this polar vortex hit the word was out and you know that's why we were seeing all these deer out here so
2: we had the a, same thing in missouri an
0: average of 30 deer i would say had had a couple acres of beans wiped out in 10 12 days i mean yeah. just no time
2: There, there's uh i mean just south of us there's probably hundred and well i guess there's more than that but in total around us right there there's probably close to 500 acres of beans still in wow but there's one field that's 90 another 20 and i know it's, they've just been they've had to been piled into it because yeah. you drive yeah. you drove down the road and you look and it's like there's not one deer track alongside the road and it's like you you they're just know there. where they're all out they're there yep.
1: yeah they're huddled up in them you know then they're probably probably not laying or bedding in places you'd think they are because they're Probably bedded, just bedded close to the food. They're just bedded right next right. to it. They so, don't. They're not traveling distances to go. They might not even. They might sacrifice the thermal cover for the food. You so know. that's
0: something. Uh, that last doe that I shot when Tyler and I were blood trailing him, uh, we got into this this strip of timber, and sure enough, what do we see? Deer just beds just everywhere inside. Deer beds, it. trails, just and right off right off all this food. I mean, they were just piled in there, several of them all over. And it's that's not typical deer bedding area. No. I mean, it's yeah. there's not a lot of thermal cover at all i mean um it's somewhat thick but it's still open you get down to the ground it's still pretty open but again they walk up and they walk 10 yards and there's you know half acre of beans right there
1: i'm sure their winter coats right now are as thick as they've ever been just because they're they adapt you know
2: and there was a lot of browse i mean they're going to browse inside there i mean literally i mean literally those deer are betting 50 yards from the food right i mean where the food was where Mm -hmm. the beds are was 50 yards they're up you know browsing around in there and then may mm-hmm. come out during the day and go back and mm-hmm. and uh that just goes to show you the power of food you know i mean a lot of people when you know you watch the tv shows you know a lot yeah. of people anymore late season especially in iowa you know sitting over standing beans and a foot of snow on the ground yeah. you're gonna have some opportunities oh, there and that's and i think that's even with bow season here in illinois i mean that's a if you're you know the rut's the rut deer going to go but you never know where that deer is going to be that target buck if he's going to mm-hmm. be on the east or the west in your farm or in the neighbor's place but when you get food in there and they're a slave of their stomach you pretty well know where those deer are going to go i mean once you get a yeah. pattern and figure out where he's at that's where he's going to be and you yeah. know you you can use the food plots if they you know for for the hunting aspect of you know it's to, tar- to target deer i mean it's when you
0: have a a, a desirable food as in you know beans um and then you have the the conditions that uh, make them ne- a necessity almost. I mean, granted they would always like to eat the the standing beans all winter long, but you're at a point now where they don't really have many other options. Mm-hmm. So it can it can bring in a lot of deer from a lot of different places.
1: I uh, the last podcast we had that mysteriously didn't work out yeah. so good. Uh, that day I. I had went down and just did a little bit of thickening up of an area that had a bunch of just young maple trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, hinge cut a lot of them, but also just cut them completely off and laid them down. And then, you know, we did the podcast. We ate squirrel legs until we our guts exploded. Yeah. And uh had a couple adult beverages. It was a that was an awesome day. It was a good night. An even better podcast. Yeah. A lot of people will probably never hear it. You never know. That explains
2: uh, why it didn't get recorded correctly.
1: Yeah, that might <laughs> might have something to do with it. Um I'd listened to a after that I'd listened to a podcast and uh they were talking about you know, the the mysterious hinge cut and if it's good, if it's bad, when to do it, and a lot of guys were saying if you see a good cold front coming through and you don't have a lot of Grains, beans, corn, like we do, or even brassicas. That's the perfect time to lay a bunch of trees down on the ground because all the, the, the buds, yep, the buds of those trees. It's it's like like a bean pod, you know. It's has way more uh, you know value to it nutritionally. So uh, curiosity got the best of me. I went back down to the area I'd hinge cut, and those maple buds are deer can't resist them, and there right. I couldn't find a bud. Yeah. They, they'd eaten all the buds. So that's something to consider if you might not have uh, beans and corn and you've got your own property or a property that you can uh, get rid of some uh, trees that might not have a lot of timber value, or even if they do have value and you just want to provide food. They're, they, I mean, they ate every single bud off those maples.
0: That is a, another benefit to hinge cutting is the the brows that that you can make available on that you know 3 to 5 6 foot range you know that that a deer prefers and
1: those buds are just about the same size as a soybean yeah it's pretty darn close you know, on certain trees yeah and they just nipped them off it was pretty cool to see
2: yeah and i mean that's the thing too i mean just because you have beans there doesn't mean that's only what they're going to eat i mean they're, they're deer is a browser i mean they're naturally just a browser so they're just going to they're going to eat beans maybe the primary primary source but they're still going to be well, I, there, I, I did some
0: joking you know throughout the fall hunting we had some snow there in november like november 9th or something i think it was and uh it was cold and snowy and and i was hunting in the timber hunting the mule deer buck and uh all of a sudden i see the deer and they're all over there like standing at the edge of the timber eating invasives and you know just leaves i'm like what are you idiots doing? you got all these standing beans right here, and you're over here eating these nasty leaves off of these invasive plants. And, you know, but that's just how they are. I mean, they they get their nutrition from all over the place. Um, And there was actually a a point this fall, late fall, early winter, that I thought, man, I've got too much food. Um, You know, there were so many beans left um, that that made it and grew into the season. I thought, man, I'm going to have – you know, all these beans here when it comes time to plant back in this spring. Hmm. Um, so much for that idea, hey, boy, I'll tell you that. Boy,
2: were you wrong.
0: Yeah, so I don't think I'm going to change a whole lot about uh, as far as my amount of food. Um, the one thing that that I think this did prove is we were kind of on the fence about brassicas. Um, in this area, this immediate area, and some guys had tried them. Some people have tried them uh, off and on throughout the years and had uh, not very good results with them. So I decided to still try it a half acre and I, I've got a smorgasbord. I had some stuff left over. I
2: I think it's uh, Mike, I think you had ten tons of forage in that half oh, acre. Oh, it was unbelievable half acre the way it looks.
0: I started with Pure Attraction, White Tail Institute Pure Attraction, and uh, it looked like it was coming on a little slow and we weren't seeing the brass we were wanting. So then I had another bag of, it was either tall-time tubers or beets and greens. I don't remember which ones. So I put one there and one in the power lines. So we threw that in top of it. And then Tyler's like, well, you know, you could probably use some more oats in there. You know, they're hammering these oats. So then I went in and put some oats in it. And then I had also uh, seeded in a full rate of Imperial Whitetail Clover for next year. All of this in a half-acre plot. I mean, and then all of a sudden we got some rains, and I'd, I'd put my fertilizer and stuff on it. We got the rains, and holy smokes. It was like a jungle. You couldn't hardly walk through it. I mean, it was so thick.
2: Radishes um, are a foot long, and the, the turnips look like softballs. And just so
0: thick. And the deer were in there, even early season, hammering them oats. Um, well, obviously, I mean, I shot that doe there uh, October 12th or something. and I shot that 160 there November 3rd off that food plot. Um, it's doe bedding next to it. Um you didn't see quite the numbers there as you would in the beans, um, but they were still there. And when the snows came, they were digging through. Well, even the day that I shot the that last doe, hunted those two days, it was so neat to go out and watch them. And it's, they're almost like a snowblower. I mean, they get in there with their legs, and they just start digging so fast, and there's just snow flying everywhere. And then, you know, they're pulling the leaves up and pulling some of the bulbs up and eating them. And um, So when I went out Saturday... It was warming up, but we still had a lot of snow on the ground. I was just trying to get an idea, uh, do a little scouting, see how much food I had and do some scouting, see where all the main trails were and get a better idea of, you know, how the deer were coming in and out. I went and checked that field, and sure enough, I mean, they had been in there as well and just, you know, eating it to bare dirt in a lot of places. Um, So I I don't think that I can not do brassicas again. I don't know if I'm going to do a full half acre um, since especially since I've already got the the full rate of clover in there, what I may do is I may do a quarter acre uh, of brassicas and a quarter acre in clover, and then just rotate those back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I want to do that yet because I I believe that you can only do brassicas a couple times in a row before you need to. Uh,
1: they need nitrogen. Did yeah. you put any nitrogen on your? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, I had done soil tests and, yeah. and had everything that I needed, and
2: it showed. And yeah. it showed. It yeah. really did. Yeah. yeah. So I'm seeing that too. That, that's the thing. I think a lot of people, you know, they put food plots in. And, and the number one thing that most people neglect to do is take a soil sample and apply the right amount of fertilizer for what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't do that and your food plots, if you just go till the dirt up and throw some seed down and say well it didn't work didn't grow you know seed was junk or this or blame on everything else if you didn't start from the basics yeah why should you have expect to have any results you can
1: you can get a brassica to grow in your driveway yeah but it's just to to how many and what to what size you know i'm seeing like giant bulbs and then i'm also seeing the deer just devour them here in the last two three weeks you know when it when it went from like Negative 30 to then it warmed back up last week. We had 56 50s, degrees yeah, on.
0: Almost 100 degree right, change.
1: Crazy. That's when they just absolutely pounded them. And I put, I planted corn there. I put a bunch of urea over the top. Actually, I put I I put urea, tilled it in, and then I put corn. The corn didn't make, so then I, uh, you know, top seeded it, top dressed it with radishes and turnips. And, I mean, I'm talking... Bumper crop, you know, and I and I credit it to the the urea, the nitrogen.
0: Well, and in, and in, in expanding on the the point that Tyler just made, you hear it everywhere you go about the importance of um, getting your soil sample, making the correct amendments, whether it be the lime to get your pH right, you know, the fertilizer, the MP and the K that you need. Um, that is a step that's over often overlooked and so what I did is you know my, all my main food plots I did I tested them all did everything as I was supposed to and I, I was lucky because my food plots had prior uh had been in row crop commercial row crop production for several years and uh, the prior uh tenant that uh, I had rented it to was very good about you know staying up on things so my ph one field was six eight and one field was six nine um so I'm starting out very good there However, I still did go through and applied the, the correct amount of fertilizer, and my plots all took off. They were slow going. Um, a lot of these, like the clover and stuff that I planted, I planted May 15th. So I planted it late. Um, but once it got going, the weeds were everywhere, but I just kept mowing it, and then we got some rains, and then finally everything came together, and it just took off and looked fantastic. The point of this whole rambling uh, deal that I've got going on here is – In my power lines, I opened up the power lines, a a little half acre spot inside the power lines that had gone overgrown, opened that up, um, did a soil test there and got that back. And I think the pH was like five, it's way low. It needs a a ton of lime. I just, it needs more than a ton. It needs a couple tons of lime actually. But I had an extra bag of um, a brassica blend. I don't know what it was at this point. And I had bought it the year before and didn't use it. So it needed to be used. So I just went ahead and threw it out uh, to see what would happen. And I think we also put, uh, I had some leftover um, oats and triticale when I had top seeded my beans. So we just kind of threw all that out there as well. And it grew some. Um, There was some green out there. Some of the brassicas did um, did make bulbs. Um, the ones that I have seen are more, uh, just a touch bigger than a golf ball, um, so they didn't get very large, they didn't come in real thick, and essentially, I I planted the same methods, you know, I dissed up and prepared a seed bed the, the same way, packed it, uh, the only difference was, as I was planting into soil that needed amended, uh, needed the pH brought up, and also needed, you know, fertilizer, and uh, the results just weren't there, and So going forward, uh, I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to plant there and then how I'm going to go about uh, amending the soil to to make it right. Um, In the short term, I will probably um, just keep it cleared out, maybe throw some some oats or something out there just to keep something there, but something that's cheap, affordable until I can get a plan of how I'm going to get all the lime brought in and get that incorporated and uh, really make it a, you know, an actual good plot. So um, th- that that is, it just goes to show so many times, you know, you see these bags throw and grow, shade tolerant, what, whatever, you're going to get out of it what you put in it. And, you know, spend the $15 to have a soil test done and then do what it says. I mean, yes, it's going to cost you money, but the seed's going to cost you money. Your time is costing you money. Um, And if I'm going to go through the hassle of doing something, I want to get the most out of it that I can. I'm not looking for something that, you know, would make it on the cover of Outdoor Life, as these paintings we're sitting here next to did. I'm just looking for something that, you know, will, like Tyler always said, you know, you're not looking to get, you know, 80 bushel acre beans or anything. I mean, um, so it, it's in perspective. But, again, that doesn't mean I'm just going to not do anything. I mean, I still want it to produce something. That's right. Um, and, and get something back out of all the efforts that we put into it. So, it is, I mean, I love doing it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But it's still work, you know. Um, so, I was always taught that, you know, you do something once, you do it right. Yeah. So
1: it's a labor of love. So, Love doing it. I had a great time spreading fertilizer this year. Yeah. Went and rented a cart and drug it home with the truck and figured out. I didn't have a whole lot of experience with those uh, fertilizer carts. And, you know, now I have something I can say. Yeah, I know a little bit about them. Yeah. I I fertilized all my clover this year for the first time ever. Oh, really? Uh, Typically, I never did that. But that's something you and don't necessarily
0: have to do every. At least nitrogen. Not, not
1: every year. And but, that's
0: where I'm at this year. Yeah. Um, now that you're talking about that, is you know this will be year two for my for my clover plots, and I don't know if I need to go put you know some P and K on mm-hmm. there, um, or if I can just let it ride, because I again I'm all for putting on there what it needs, but I'm not all for just putting on there something on there that's just you know throwing uh, money
1: to the wind. I mean I got a soil test before I planted it. I seeded it, and then I went to the fertilizer place and said, here's my pH, here's my soil samples. I just planted clover. Of course, they've got more experience with cattle, you know, guys that are in pastures. But they said, here's what I would do. I said, load me up. And they loaded me up with uh, potash and dap. Is that what it was? Probably. And uh, sent me home, and I hooked it up to the tractor and spread it. And I, I mean, the clover just exploded. Of course, it got a rain on it. The, the rain's a time. huge the, a
2: huge part to it, um,
1: and I'm growing clover in some clay, real nasty soil. You know? But that you,
2: that just goes to show that the guys, if you're not taking the steps, you're not doing everything. Yeah. and you're not getting good food plots, and you're scratching your head why. Yeah, sit back and look at your process of what you're doing. If you're missing a step in there, that's your problem, probably. Yeah, some I, of I the mean, pe- that's yeah. if you're gonna, you know, if you spend the money to go buy buy a piece of ground and you know spend the money on the seed and, and you spend all this money and everything so you go spend 150 bucks on fertilizer to make your plots grow like they should i yeah. mean it's it's money well well spent. i
1: think a lot of guys throw it on the ground and it looks good but the deer it, just because it looks good doesn't mean that the deer like the taste of it you know
0: no and i think i spent 350 dollars or something on fertilizer to do about five acres four and a half five acres um, a lot of that i mean i had a lot of nitrogen in there too that going forward, I don't think I'm going to need as much. For one, I've got the clover uh, that, Providing nitrogen, that will yeah. be self-sufficient. And then my plan is, you know, of course, then the other plots are, are beans, um, which can fix nitrogen as well. And then I've also interceded in, you know, triticale and oats and wheat into the staining beans, which, again, should do the same thing. Um, I'm actually, I was just thinking about today, uh, I need to – Pose a question on uh, Growing Deers Facebook page or something, asking them about the Buffalo system, because Dr. Woods has talked about how he's got fields that he has done this, and essentially that's kind of what I'm doing is a modified version of it, where you're planting beans on beans on beans with a uh, a cool season grass um, in the you know in between. So that's kind of your crop rotation is your. Uh, uh, it will be cereal rye is what I'll eventually go with. Uh, this year I just happened to be able to get triticale for the same price, and so I used triticale. Um, so going forward, it'll be oats and cereal rye uh, top seeded into the staining beans, and he says he has done that with his buffalo blend system through Eagle and that he hasn't put a drop of fertilizer on some of these plots in six, seven, eight years um, and they're they're doing fantastic. So I need to find out, you know, if, if uh, what's recommended, if I still need to put some P&K on. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I don't think my fertilizer costs are going to be near as what they were initially getting it started. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my brassica plot, I'll probably have to put a little bit on that. But I think I spent like $37 or something yeah. on fertilizer for that plot. Nice. And again, this does add up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do spend a lot of money doing what we do. but it's my hobby i mean i don't uh, i don't go to the tavern i don't play lottery i don't go to the casino i mean this is this is what i do i yeah. mean you know i don't i used to own a boat i was a big boater for years looks like you spend money on some kirby art well there, kirby. this is kind of a, a ryan kirby art uh mini uh collection down here um yeah. kind of a, a little gallery on my looks good homage to him so yeah we've got the the three deer outdoor life covers and then uh did get,
2: was there a dog one, wasn't
0: there? There was a dog one and then this year was a moose. I didn't get either one of those two. So Why not? um I'm on a I'm on strike until until the outdoor life cover goes back to being a deer or a turkey. Um, I still gotta get scrape line. I think scrape is gonna go right here. Yep. Um, so I, I got that spot kind of saved for that one. Scrape um, line's awesome. It is I got
1: it for Christmas and it's huge. It's, it's awesome. It's a beautiful, beautiful
0: work to. of art. So yep. so yeah, I got my turkey, uh my turkey stuff over there that that uh, tail fan and wings—that's my first solo bird that I killed last year, and yeah. uh, his both of his NWTF turkey stamp prints are there. And uh, then that uh, that sketch daily is that um, hunters notes or hunters field notes or something—I think they call it—has um, yeah. all the information of the of the turkey kill on there. You so you get
1: a nice little man cave and a nice little Ryan Kirby uh, throne. Yeah, down here. yeah,
0: it's kind of like I said, just man his, crush
1: his little. Uh, this little display but and you got some nice deer hanging on the wall
0: well you know they're not bad that i got one that little scrubby one there uh first mature deer i ever seen while hunting uh, that was at a time where i think i had only seen probably three or four deer from us from a tree stand different taxidermists. yes yeah.
1: yes obvious
0: um very much so um one of them is uh, my new current taxidermist and the other one is not and mm-hmm. so one of them is doing the two deer that I have. Sure. So he'll have three of my four mounts will be from one guy. Uh, old Barn Taxidermy um, uh, outside of Fort Madison, Iowa, Sam Gaylord. Uh, he's been a fantastic to work with for me. Uh, he's been very accommodating, and I've been happy with his work. So uh, then the other deer up there is the the 150 I shot, my first uh, full sit uh, bow hunting on this property. So um, Beautiful. it is. It, it's kind of nice to come down here and sit and just kind of get you in the mood and get me uh, – reminiscing um my wife doesn't give me any grief over having uh even deer antler curtain rods hanging up or anything like that so no, it's it's uh, cozy it Very is cozy it's it's uh
2: you know it doesn't look like this around the zen residence <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it will
1: soon we've got some we've got some something in the making here got I'll some
0: look. new ideas coming got down s- the park got or? some
1: stuff going on that think be a be maybe even a a little bit better accommodations than the you know the Deerland headquarters <laughs> yeah. out in the garage. <laughs> yeah, we you, might have something a little better. We I might even just build a studio for us. You guys don't even know. Oh fi-
2: are you finishing off in the garage? Ah, uh, we'll see. There's a yeah, ni- we'll nice see. room there on the south end that would be yeah. kind of a trophy room, man cave. Yeah.
1: You guys are, one of you guys are tax assessors, so we don't, yeah, talk about, we don't, we don't oh, talk I don't about worry. that stuff. We don't talk about it. You got, additions. you got
0: an assessor and a member of the Board of Review here with you, so <laughs> <We got> you, <laughs> you don't want to be talking about, about taxes or what you're doing or what you're not doing. Uh, so, uh, pod,
1: podcast studios are tax exempt.
0: Yeah, yeah. And let's just be, be clear here. The, the place that Louis talking about is not in a jurisdiction in which anyone that's part of this podcast is a tax assessor currently. So there will be no, uh, Right. No favoritism played or anything like that going on. We're all in the up and up around these parts. That's so. right. Thanks for the disclaimer, Mike. Yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, this is going out there in the the worldwide interwebs, and uh, you never know who all might listen to it. And once it's out there, it's permanent. So
1: we got we got a lot of good feedback from our first nine episodes, and well, eight and episodes. Then we took, uh, yeah, eight. Yeah. Okay, because number nine got. Yeah, this, it, it's nine, lot, the this is The lost files.
0: Yeah, this is nine point two here.
1: So so we got. A, I think we're gonna have a guest. Here soon. Yeah,
0: that's uh, what I've been working here uh, the last couple days is trying to get uh, get it figured out. And I've got it all figured out uh, system wise, where we can run a phone through our board and have uh, have quality sound. Um, However, my cell phone just is not working with it, Uh, so we've got to get that figured out uh, still. So hopefully, and he can come to us too, maybe. And that would be you know, yeah, more ideal. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, we, if we can make it work. But we've got a lot of great guests that we want to get on, yeah. and at some point we're going to have to have uh, have them on the phone. Um, luckily, we do have good cell phone coverage here.
1: Um, so, uh, You know, that last podcast we mentioned something. We got a, a one of our listeners, he's loyal to us. He was actually w- wondering, hey, what the heck's going on? We haven't heard from you guys in a month and a half. He is a member of the Elks Lodge in Keokuk, Iowa, And they've got a really cool program. And maybe Elks, the Elks Lodge does it across the country or the Midwest, but the Elks Lodge will actually take deer hides from, you know, uh, whether it's a roadkill deer or a deer you shot or whatever. They'll take those hides. You just, when you're skinning your deer out, just skin it out. They've got a big uh, 55-gallon drum sitting outside the building. And you can drop it off, and then they take that, and they make goods out of it for the needy
2: uh, i didn't know that yeah
1: yeah huh. any they'll take them all i mean we're late in the season for that obviously now oh, wow. we're,
2: we're a little past that <laughs> point well now. Yeah. well unless
1: <laughs> unless you roll like some of you guys <laughs> doing you know late season hunts <laughs> post january <Yeah>. 20th <laughs> actually they, they'll, ta- they'll take deer hides and they make purses and uh all kinds of stuff out of leather and 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 we will gloves. We'll, we'll say
0: another reminder uh you know once the season approaches and you know it's stuff like that that uh uh, a great organization as the Elks, you know, that does a lot of good, um, not only locally, but nationally. Um, and that people like us can, you know, maybe do a small part. I mean, think about it. We've all gotten rid of plenty of hides. I mean, that one I shot on the 20th, uh, she laid on the back of the buggy for a couple of weeks because uh, the polar vortex hit and um, it got frigid. And finally, when the, the weather broke, I was able to go, um, you know, dispose of her. Um, so, for us to be able to give back to something that we otherwise have no use for, you know, we try to utilize as much as we can, but throw them in the know, ditch. Typically, yeah. You know, uh, let the, the animals, um, you know, carry on the, the circle of, of life, I guess. Um, so yes, that's, that's fantastic and we'll get some more information when it comes time this fall and, you know, make sure that we have that available. Um, and if you want to find out more information, reach out to one of us, uh, reach out to the, um, Or Instagram or Facebook or if you know any of us personally uh, send us a message that way as well Um, then even like uh, I just seen the other day um, Brian Finch from Hamilton uh, one of our friends uh, his wife's a science teacher and she was asking for deer hearts Mm -hmm. Um, so the mule deer buck uh, we saved the heart for her and Brian stopped by and, and picked it up and Uh, here after the winter break was over that she did her experiment and she just had some pictures of it the other day that um i don't remember how many hearts she had like 20 hearts maybe Uh, they had some pig tongues and stuff like that that they were able to dissect it um i actually wanted to eat the heart that last doe that i shot i wanted to take Mm -hmm. it eat it i've never ate one but i i want to so next year i will um but, uh, yeah, I, but I would, over me eating the heart, I would much rather, you know, some junior high kids get a chance to, you know, learn something from it. And um, so, yeah. Cool.
2: I've never tried deer heart. You know, it, I, haven't either. I haven't
0: either. But the more I, you know, follow Stephen Rennella and some of these other guys, I mean, they truly honestly say it's one of the best cuts you could ever have. Yeah. And there's several different ways to cook it. Um, so I definitely want to try it. Um, you know, as far as the innards go, I mean, I love chicken livers and chicken gizzards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Walt Tyler's dad has, has helped me clean a couple turkey birds and and he has he has gotten the the liver and gizzards for me but I never did cook them up I got them <laughs> in the freezer I just I haven't you know there's not much there I mean I'm type, if I'm gonna fry something up I want to make a batch of it and I just haven't thawed them out and tried it yet but
2: there is a shelf life on those yeah
1: yeah so um, I had a bad experience I mean I love gizzards I had a bad experience with a gizzard once in of really wasn't cleaned out oh no took a bite of it oh no. I noticed that it wasn't just gizzard meat, it was corn and yeah. chicken poop and it was green. Spit it out and it was green. Yeah, it was the friend
2: cleaned the gizzard out. Yeah.
1: Hadn't been cleaned.
2: You kinda gotta cut that gizzard and open it up, pull that, that Yeah, it wasn't.
1: But it's you know, it's fried, so you don't know. Eat, no, you, you don't know it until it it's and, too late, but And then you're uh, eating corn. I mean it's cracked corn. I'll I, be I, I remember biting down it was like this wasn't a rock, I this, guess.
2: Haven't tried one since? This is
1: like cracked corn. It didn't scare me that bad. I mean, I like chicken. i it say it's going to take itself. more than that to keep me away from a chicken It, it was at a restaurant. I mean, KFC is where I like to get my gizzards if they still get them. You know, when
0: we were young, when I was young, that was always the big thing. I think it was Thursdays, um, Tuesdays or Thursdays, they had delivered and gizzard special, and, oh, man. man, they were good. I'll tell you, one it. of the best places that I get them now. Uh, Chester Fried or? Chester Fried yeah. County Market in Carthage. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of times I can call ahead and just order some up mm.
1: and –
2: Locker in uh,
1: just Cahoka, pop them. Yeah, yeah. they have Chester Fried there too. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do.
0: Um, but because I think they cook theirs with the, like a convection fryer. Or a, mm. Like it's a, not real greasy. It's yeah, just it's, a nice, and it, it helps tenderize it too. <laughs> yeah, because um, that's the thing with with chicken gizzards is you know they can be a little tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a place in Mount Sterling in, down in Brown County uh, that I'd go to. They'd have them on the buffet, and they they pressure cooked theirs. Mm-hmm. But they almost pressure-cooked them too much and almost mm. made them, like, too tender, I guess. Oh, yeah. um, but, uh, man, they're good catfish bait, too. But, to
1: I've never uh, had a turkey gizzard. I, I hadn't
0: either. either. I hadn't either. But got to be a little bit bigger. They are. They are bigger. Yep. Um, so, speaking of turkeys. Uh, turkey season. I just sent out uh, just a message to our, our group chat. Uh, this Monday, February 12th, uh, is the final day to uh, apply for third lottery Illinois turkey season or turkey tags. So, uh, if you're wanting to get uh, a second tag, or if for some reason you hadn't uh, got one the first two lotteries, or you just forgot, you've got until this Monday to get your application in. Then I think
1: uh, over the counter March 12th did.
0: will be over the counter. So I put a reminder in my phone so I can try to go to the farm store on the 12th first thing and, and hopefully yeah.
1: pick up a third tag that you way. S- you- You even gave us the numbers as far as what's left. I did. I did. you have that handy there, Lou? Yeah, it's on the Deerland uh, thread here. You've got uh, remaining tags after second lottery by season. 112 tags are available first season. Only seven tags are left uh, for second second season. season, 84 for third, 161 for fourth, and 178 for fifth. So there'll be a ton of... probably a lot of fourth and fifth will be left and And
0: maybe a couple first season um that's what i put in as my my first priority for this third lottery first First. season's
1: the only one that doesn't have a weekend that's right
0: that's right but it's opening day and you know tyler has passed that on to me that you know you gotta hunt opening day so uh i always try to get out there
2: just something about me opening and Tyler day.
0: will be out here opening day yeah, yeah. well and and Walt and I, I just texted Tyler's dad he just responded to me a couple minutes ago I was reminding him about uh the season so he's going to get his application in as well so yeah I think Tyler he's already got uh opening week planned out of who all's coming over to hunt and where all we're going to go and how many birds we're going to kill and where we're going to sit at and set up on them so
2: here on bully uh, farms yeah
0: yeah you you were telling me about when we were squirrel hunting well you go here and I'll go here and I'll put dad over here and
2: I don't remember uh, that. Well,
0: but. what the heck, you know? I mean, we all got first season tags, or hopefully will. Uh, I mean, I got landowners too. The number so. of
2: turkeys around this place, I know where I'm going to be. There are
0: there are plenty of turkeys. That's that's for darn sure. So, um, you know, it, I, it'd be awesome for me to kill three turkeys. I've never killed more than one in a year. So, um, we'll try to shoot for two. Um, but uh, it's coming, man. I mean, it'll be here before you know it. Yeah. I'm already starting to get out of the out of the mood of like watching deer hunting shows and stuff and kind of starting to creep towards doing a little turkey watching. I always try to make sure I save all my turkey hunting episodes throughout the year and uh, come back and watch them. And there's also another thing, uh, the Pin Hody Project. Uh, it's a YouTube uh, feature with I think his name is Dave Owens. Um, and I come ab- across him through the, the hunting public guys this past spring. He's a huge turkey hunter. He's killed turkeys all over the country. This year he decided to make it into kind of like a, a – a full season of his turkey hunts of everywhere that he was going. Um, and he hunted, you know, from early season, Florida to late season in Maine, uh, all over the place. Then this summer he went through and edited it and released all the episodes. And I remember how many there were 40 some episodes maybe. And I haven't watched any of them because again, they were dropping in July and August when I'm thinking deer hunting. Sure. So that's something to check out on YouTube. It's called the pin Hoti project. P I N H O T I. Um, and, uh, the dude's really—he's a cool guy to watch uh, and heck of a personality. And I don't know, maybe I'll reach out to him see if we can't get him on turkey season time and cool. do a little talking to us. But uh, yeah, that uh, that is coming. Um,
2: I'm looking forward to turkey season. So Absolutely. am I. I mean, for anybody uh, that's uh, hunting Florida, I think that opens first tomorrow, March second. I was just looking at that South Florida. So hmm. it,
0: uh, it'll be here quick. You know, it's it's uh, just a few weeks away. So. Um, it never ends, you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's just. Anybody got any trips planned anywhere?
0: No, Louis. Florida, Florida, Florida
1: would be nice. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: sure would, sure would. One of these days, maybe we'll get to go.
2: I think we're gonna head to uh, a bunch of the guys from Whitetail Properties. Going out to Kansas for a week or oh, cool. four or five days, and mm-hmm. just do a group hunt. Kind of a fun little deal. So, cool. Go there and. I wouldn't mind slipping up in Nebraska for a day or two myself but or three or five. But. Yeah.
0: And I, I plan on it. I mean, it, it's a personal goal of mine to obtain my Grand Slam, the Turkey Grand Slam. So, I've been looking at uh, at some Miriam hunts out west. I just mm-hmm. – there's a couple places that I had in mind I'll probably go with an outfitter. I don't know yet. Um, we'll see. Um, but uh, I'm not quite ready. I don't think this year to, to venture off I need to get a little bit more uh, experience under my belt. So. Sure. Um, but eventually yeah i'd like to take a take a western trip each spring and um you know even after i get you know the the rio and the merriam um still go out there i mean just just see the country and get away
1: and tyler and i've been able to hunt out west and get our grand slam and there's places i would just love to go back to every single year Yep, you just time and family and you know priorities is no and I changes. think it's,
0: it's something that you know going out west for a, a big game hunt in the fall you know maybe one day wants to take a you know an elk trip or a mule deer trip um, but they're not high on my priority list uh, and two is whitetail on my land is a high priority you know on my list that time of year And I don't want to be taking a week off or 10 days off to go somewhere that time of year. Uh, And also, you know, as most of us married folk know, you know, we walk a a sheet of thin ice usually when it, by the time the, you know, November's rolling around that uh, the last thing I want to do is say, you know, hey, I'm going to be a thousand miles away. Because I I get a lot, I'm very, very blessed. I get a lot of leeway to hunt any, any time I want, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but it helps that I'm only... Hundred fifty yards from the back door, you know. Yeah. Essentially, that's... you could yell at me when dinner's ready, and I could come in like a kid.
1: Ring the dinner bell. So,
0: so that is a, a very, a very careful. Good she upside. might start doing that. No, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I do. I'd like to start doing, like you said, something in the spring. Um, I'm not a rougher, you know. I don't. I'm not going out sleeping in a tent, sleeping mm-hmm. under the stars, doing all that. I'm gonna go have uh, amenities mm-hmm. and enjoy my time, especially after a long day of hiking and walking. The last thing I want to do is be sleeping on the ground and, you know,
1: yeah.
0: uh, needing a shower and, uh, you know.
1: Public land style.
0: Yeah, and that's just not it's not for me. I enjoy it. I enjoy, you, it. Know, I
1: enjoy pe- you know,
0: people. I love watching people do it, and that's mm-hmm. cool if it's for you. It's not for this guy. I mean, I need running water, uh, air conditioning, uh, some mm-hmm. uh, pay TV would be nice, you know, direct mm-hmm. TV, dish network, cable, whatever. I need something.
2: So you're oh. saying you're not going with me to Nebraska in the tent? No negative ghostwriter. You,
1: you don't want to have to bury your toilet paper. You just want to throw it in water. Yeah, <laughs> i
2: And each is their own. But I think to me, some a lot of those hunts that I've done out west, especially the turkey hunts and stuff, is that's been probably the most memorable part of it. Yeah. I remember just one night of just like, I mean, hunting your butt off all day long, just going and putting birds to roost, and you're you're on public ground. and It's like okay, the truck's back that way a mile and a half, and you take off. and I mean, it's just the middle of nowhere, pitch dark, and you get to the truck and you just drop the tailgate, set the tent up, cook supper, mm-hmm. go to bed, get up the next morning, and hike right back down and go hunting.
0: Again. No, and, and that's fantastic. My, my I need a shower. That's yeah. what it really, really boils down to. I mean, I got my cell phone. I can keep myself entertained with that. I have to have a shower. When you're fat like me, you've get got nooks stinking. and crannies that – you know, yeah. that start stinking. You, you know, get they to get stinkin'.
2: rubbed. I mean, fat guys need a shower. I've been known I mean, to take a take a take a shower in a in a lake once or twice. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like we're not going three days hiking a mile and a half to birds, and then this fat guy ain't getting a shower because I guarantee you, it's the last time you'd ever invite me on a trip. I promise you that. So just don't
1: get downwind. Yeah, yeah. Let, thank God turkeys can't smell. That's, that's
0: right, too. So no, and they, I don't know the right opportunity. I mean. Um I don't know if Tyler's the one that I need to be going hunting with. I mean,
2: we've
1: got places um, that have amenities too. I mean, yeah. it's not like we're we're going,
2: we're going to Kansas, we got amenities. So. I can get you in touch with somebody out Okay. In South Dakota. That's okay. Got it set up, yeah.
0: So, but but that is. That's that's on my my list and uh I started looking into it last year thinking that eh, maybe I'll do it for this year, but uh, I didn't feel that I was ready and um but I do want to want to do that and and I I could use a good getaway, I guess, in the spring. I mean, um something just to kind of go recharge your batteries and uh have some fun and but to me it is that's the one downside you know looking to go do this by myself um the one downside to doing that would be is you don't get that camp atmosphere you know and that's something i love about Mm -hmm. deer hunting even as we don't get it as much during bow season other than our podcasts and stuff but that's some of the best times of hunting is sitting around talking about it hanging out with the guys and you know eating good food and just enjoying uh, yeah. life, you know. Yeah. Um, That's so. what
2: I enjoy about turkey season. It's like a it's, it, it's a group hunt. Yeah. I mean, just
1: lower, way lower stress. And
2: Yeah, you just go have a good time and I mean, when it's you get on a bird, it's serious and when you're not, you're Going along, having a good time, this and that. And And you know you can
1: find another one somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a – It's not like hunting a one deer. Right. Well,
2: yeah, you go sit in a blind or in a tree stand, it's like you sit there and you're motionless and you're after this one deer or whatever you're after. You're you're losing
1: sleep because you didn't see him or shoot him.
2: It's you by yourself in the turkey hunting. You can just make it a a group effort or a And that's been my thing. Like
0: with turkey hunting, it's mostly been by myself. I mean, I think year before last I hunted every day by myself. Um, and it is, it's, it's different, you know, when you you're out by yourself the night before roosting birds, uh, you go out the next morning, you know, hunting by yourself and, you know, um, it's different, especially about six or seven days into it, you know, uh, when you're the only one that has to, you're not, you're not going to disappoint somebody else. If you don't wake up, you know, um, it's a little easier to wake up if you know, you got someone else that's going to be waiting on you. So, uh, that's the only downside to Turkey season, I guess, is that. It can be long. I mean, the year before last, I had that landowner tag, and I never filled it. And I hunted every day. Every day of Illinois' five weeks of turkey season, I hunted every single day. Roosted birds every single night. It was grueling. And that just goes to show you that, yeah, it is easy to kill a turkey. There are plenty of turkeys. But when you're learning and you don't really know what you're doing, nothing's guaranteed. Now, I did miss three that year, so that's the (laughs) caveat. Two of them within you killed a turkey that year. Two of them within thirty yards of this house. No, not not that. Oh year. no, you didn't that no, year, did you? No, no, I was left hanging. So, um, so yeah, I'm. That's why this year I'm gonna have three tags. You know, hopefully at least fill one, uh, but uh, maybe get two or three of them filled. Um, I don't think I'm gonna be going anywhere else. Um, so. Uh, but that could change I guess you never know I guess last year I was invited to Florida like 36 hours before the train was leaving uh, so that may Nobody happen nobody wanted to go again. with me last year so uh,
2: got, I shouldn't say that I got last, last resort Louie no. did go
0: last uh, resort I uh, I definitely would have loved to but again it was just last minute couldn't make it work and uh,
1: I'd go again if you needed something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just saying I I'm sure he would so Anyways, I you know I felt like there was some other stuff we were wanting to talk about while we were here. It's been so long that uh, we haven't been on uh, on the air with anyone. But uh, it was a
1: weird. I know for the trappers out there, it was a weird season. Was it really? Weather. Okay. Yeah, because it was hot, cold, hot, cold, and their f- traps were freezing up. And then it would rain, and then it was too muddy. And uh, my trapper absolutely killed the raccoons. We killed, trapped, and killed forty raccoons this year on my place in a matter of seven days. Huh. But then it got rainy, and then it would freeze. so you it Made know. it pretty tough for setting yeah. traps. Yeah. Um, and then the coyote traps, you know, you get, you got to bury those. He was using the dog proofs for the raccoons, and the coyotes you got to kind of bury. So the ground was froze, and then it would thaw. And it was just a weird year for trappers here in Illinois. And that's you know. something that I'm going to look
0: into doing next year. Uh, I was talking with Eric Van Alsdahl. A friend and my banker actually and we had a meeting a couple weeks ago had lunch together and he told me he was getting into it and running a few traps and uh gave me a, enough confidence and then get something i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a shot anyhow i don't know how successful i'll be but uh, i can't uh get rid of any less animals than i did this year because i didn't do any trapping so um the raccoons definitely need uh, some attention they are just um bumper crops of those things and you
1: know they're just well, we're turkey hunters, so they're nest predators,
0: something yeah. fierce, the, the egg eaters, yep. and they're
1: taking our, they're, they're the farmers hate them because they're ripping down the corn, yep. and then if you're planting corn for deer, they're ripping ripping yeah. all the corn down for the, the you know for the, you're planting it for the deer, not the raccoons. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, there's there's definitely plenty of uh, plenty of raccoons around, and and possums too. So um, that's Skunks, something that that I look stuff. forward to. Uh, Uh, talking about on a future episode and gaining some insight myself. And then, you know, maybe uh, implementing some of it this spring. And people ask me, you know, what else are you going to do next? You know, you do all this other stuff. I don't know. That's part of it, you know. Uh, That's why, um, you know, we spend good money to buy land. And I want to utilize it as much as I can, uh, improve it as much as I can, and uh, enjoy it. And also to teach my, you know, my kids. I got a three-year-old son that's just intrigued by, you know, outdoors and being outside and hanging out with dad and hunting and planting food plots and driving a tractor and, you know, why not teach him how to trap? We can learn it together. You know, yeah, I think um, we're
1: gonna have a guest on that can teach. Yeah, us a that's lot about that's
0: what I'm hoping. Uh, you know, I think we can learn a lot of a lot of stuff. He's very good at, at trapping, so we'll try to get that lined up here coming to you here in the off season because uh, it won't be long and our brains are gonna be on turkey hunting. Um, uh, once uh, I think what is it the. The 15th, April 15th, possibly, I think, is opening day uh, for us here in Illinois. And it'll Check the rules and regulations on that date. Yeah, yeah it's figure out what zone you're in. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure it's April 15th, that Monday. Um, and we'll run through, like, the 10th or 12th of May, something like that. So um, that's just the Illinois season. Uh, like I said, Tyler, he's going to be gone during third season, I think. Um, I'm hoping maybe, Louis, you and I can get together for a turkey sure. hunt, even if, you know, one of us isn't actually hunting. Um, sure. I'd love to love to hunt with you one morning, um, or maybe you know all three of us get together for a hunt. Um, yeah, so that'd be cool. Because um, I think the plan is we'll all have uh, you'll have a landowner, I'll have a landowner, mm-hmm. but then we're also getting uh, uh, county-wide tags as well. So it'd be nice to get together with. Uh, with usually, those anyway. usually
1: I do like a landowner third, fifth, so I can hunt first season, second season.
0: Yeah, so I think what I – The whole season, basically. I'll I'll have the landowner, and then I applied for a first. And then I I probably would have did a third, um, but that's when Tyler will be gone. Mm. So I knew he'd be gone for sure. Um, so I'll probably try to do a landowner first fourth.
1: You or, need Tyler with you to kill a turkey. Or? Well, it, my success rate seems to the,
0: improve just tremendously. Take
2: the box call and just scratch it. And it's I, not that. It's not that no, hard. No, I I,
0: I, I did. I killed mine on my own last year. Yeah. And then,
2: has he ever told you about the story about the turkey that hit the ground, took like half a step, and he was blasting away at it?
0: Yeah, that was the first one solo hunting. Uh, how, how far was it? Was 50 it yards. Oh, I thought no, you said it, no, it was 50 yards. I was shooting three and a half inch long beard
1: XRs that, Should you know, be say, hey, yep, you can shoot them. Premature trigger finger. Didn't <laughs>
2: <know, laughs> even, I mean, didn't even get the bird a chance. So this
0: was a year before last. Boop, 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 boop. And first time, one of the first times ever hunting by myself, um, had the bird roosted knew where he was and you know luckily some of my friends are familiar with this area and have turkey hunted this area for years and kind of give me some ideas of how to set up on you know where the birds are roosted at who is that uh you and kirby okay so uh i went in got set up on him and uh worked him on the roost a little bit let him know i was there didn't get too crazy and he pitched down and and I had, I had my gun just lined up. Of course, I a lot of times I'll use like uh, trigger sticks or a tripod or something, just keep my gun ready. Had the gun ready, and he flew down literally, flew down and just landed right at the end of my gun barrel at 50 yards. I'm like, well, I got to shoot him. If I don't, he's going to see me before he ever gets close enough. I just didn't have any faith in myself. Shot. Yeah, I missed him. And then Was uh, he
2: spooky or what was the no, deal? No,
0: he just, he was at the end of my barrel. And that, the first time I'd ever had that happen. So. A shot. I mean, you know, it's a hail mary. And then uh, did I, you
2: step it off and range find it?
1: I range. Sure it was, I had range finder. I knew exactly what it was. I like the guy that shoots instead of the guy that's like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I didn't yeah. have a clear I shot. Mean, it I was. Like a, my, I like Mike's. It was a clear philosophy. shot. I mean,
2: let her rip. It, the the we. I took a kid one time in that same same block of timber. We were uh, across the valley. This has been this been years ago, but in. Uh, you know the birds kind of roost in the middle right there and we snuck in because that's where they always always roost we snuck in in the dark got in there and got to sit down and starts getting daylight and start looking around like oh man those turkeys are like right in your face in the tree I mean in the tree the turkey was close enough to shoot but obviously it didn't but I mean had the gun up and I'm like alright just sit here and all of a sudden the bird flies out of the tree hits the ground takes about two steps and he's maybe 15 yards mm-hmm. blasting
1: what's the, what's the legalities of shooting a Turkey has to be roof. after seven o'clock. Seven, I
2: think it's seven o'clock. They yep. put a time
1: on it. Yeah, really.
0: after seven o'clock, you wow. can shoot them out of the tree. Check so. your rules. Some
1: of them get some of them get limb locked, and they. I've seen birds that well, for whatever reason
2: what, they they sit on that limb for way longer than they ever mm-hmm. should. You know what but
1: You the, might have a decoy out,
2: and they just don't want to fly off of it
1: because they see a decoy, and they just don't know.
2: And just, as as the, the I've s- even had birds that have shut up. You, they've been hammered on the roost, hammered on the roost, and you think, okay, they shut up, they've flown down. And you haven't heard anything for half an hour, and you take off through the woods trying to get up to where you think they're <laughs> and All of a sudden, the turkey flies off, and they've been in the tree the whole time. They just so shut if it's up. seven.
1: So if it's seven o'clock from the beginning of the season to to the end of the season, there's. Towards the end quite of the season,
0: of, it, it's it getting closer and closer towards the end of the season. Right. So it's still not like, you know, mm-hmm. sunrise, you know, legal but shooting. At the end light. of the
1: season, there's more foliage, so you probably don't have any shots at. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you hunted fifth season and you got a turkey wide open up in a limb? Well, your days no, should get longer. Yeah, actually, it you're, should, you're it more should probab-
2: get. You're more probable to have that. Late season. Early season. Not
1: no, late season.
2: Late season. Because they,
1: well, no. Late season, they fly off way earlier. I mean, I've killed birds l- late season at yeah, 545. Yeah, so actually, early season, is when sometimes the, it doesn't get light till six thirty. So is that what it, okay. if he if he sleeps in thirty minutes, you could pop him off the limb. Yeah, it's weird that they put seven a.m. as a time. That's weird. I think
2: that's it's kind of a it, it's that way in a I think states. It, I think.
1: I mean, it's maybe a little unethical. To I some, don't want to shoot one off a limb myself. No, but I mean, but that's just why wouldn't it be? By God, a half hour before sunrise, you can kill him. Maybe maybe we're wrong on the seven a.m. No, it's seven a.m. From, yeah. from the limb. Seven
0: a.m. from the limb for sure.
1: I just That's weird read it the other day again, but because uh, I mean some guys said some I've guys up, probably grew up shooting them off the limb or shooting them. Well, off and the I think season. different parts of the
0: country there's different ways of doing things. That's why you know their our season ends at at one o'clock um, or is it two o'clock.
2: One o'clock. One, one o'clock. Yeah, one.
0: and to some play, and I I think part of that is is uh the states that allow you to hunt the evenings there are people say well that's just cheating because you know where they're coming back to you can sit and ambush them as they're coming back to their tree and on and on and on but it's just where you're at where you're uh what your traditions are i guess that's just like us you know there are still places in this country where it's legal to run run dogs for deer you know to chase deer down and you talk about that around here people will be saying that's crazy to do that you know who would ever want to do it well when that's your tradition um, then it's it's a different a different perspective. So I've had you know.
2: a few times I've set up knowing where birds were roosted the night before and go in. I didn't like know the tree they were in, but thought they're in this area and I go in, I'll set up and they're gone. No, it's like it gets to be daylight and you're like, Oh wow, I am way too close to that bird. Like, yeah, he's like, like above close you. enough that you could almost shoot the turret and like i too close. Yeah, I I had that one morning. It was windy. I mean, just, just down in Missouri. I mean it was just windy as I'll get out. And I'm walking in, I'll, I'll stop, I'm like Man, I think I just heard a turkey gobble. I mean, it was that windy where I was like, I don't know what that I think it was a turkey gobble, didn't know where it was. I kept walking a little bit and I hear it again, I stop and I look up and it's like literally above me is this bird. Yeah. And I just sit down. And then he flies out in the out in the pasture and I jump up and run into the tree, which was twenty yards from me that he was roosted in and spun around the front, calling right back to me. But yeah. One of those that it was I mean, yeah, you could you could you have? Yes, for yeah. sure could have killed a turkey out of the tree, but yeah, when you're that's just not
1: when you're under them and you can hear their droppings hitting the leaves, and <laughs> you're a little, you hear little him, too close. You hear them drumming way before they're gobbling. You're well, like, just yeah, this, just this last close.
2: year,
0: um, I was hunting just off the yard. I mean, just you know, fifteen yards off, off my backyard. This place is paradise. It, it's like a zoo out here. So two years ago, um, I missed one in this spot again, and I, I worked this one good. I mean, he, I knew a, an area where he was at. I went and I got set up again, right off the backyard um he pitched down he was just over this little ditch on the other side and you know I'm working him working him. he's walking a big circle and finally I talked him into crossing the ditch and coming down and I knew where he was going to be coming at however I set up a little too close to the trail and I had my gun two-thirds of the way there and he come down he got down this ditch and back up and in a hurry and he walked behind a little four-inch tree and I thought I could you know get my gun on him spooked him you know took a hail mary shot missed him and then that i also that same year i was getting ready to leave for work one morning i look out and there's a, a long beard and two hens out in my driveway by my garage so i went back in and got my turkey hunting stuff and went back out and they were going away from my garage towards the backyard and i got around and um, beat the hens uh, or beat the beat the long beard to the back side of the garage but didn't beat the hens as soon as i got there they got there and they spotted me right away and took off and blew blew that hunt as well, but yeah. uh but were, you,
2: no, were you late to work?
0: no, no 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 it happened <laughs> never
2: never <laughs> two minutes, you know yeah. it
0: happened two minutes but uh uh so so then this past year, this same area uh had one roosted and had a good idea where he was gonna be at and uh so I go back there and uh sure enough, morning time comes not hearing anything i thought well what the heck is going on here and i'm looking all around and i i scanned every single tree i could visibly see with my binoculars all over um did have a couple hens that i found um but i could not find this bird that was goblin so it was i don't know uh 10 or 15 minutes after sunrise so 45 minutes after illegal shooting light i finally said to heck with it and i stood up and all of a sudden right above me this bird took off and there had been a bird in a tree right above my head you know 20 feet above my head this whole time and for some reason i don't know if maybe he had seen me i don't know why he stayed in the tree as long as he did that morning but literally it was a half hour or so after legal shooting light i hadn't i couldn't find this gobbler and i stood up and as soon as i took a step he flew out he was right above literally 20 feet above my head um so, lesson learned, you know, you just, you, you stick to where you're at, so. Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those, I mean, the other thing, too, when you're turkey hunting, safety, I mean, uh, yeah. be sure of your target, because, I, I mean, a little short story here that I won't name the farm or the people, but I was uh, turkey hunting one morning, and I had a bird on a point. I went down to the point, point. he was gobbling, he was gobbling. He'd shut up, And it, and it's getting daylight. It's still kind of like. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, you can see, but it's getting daylight, and I've got the gun on the knee, sitting there, you know, waiting, and and all of a sudden, I hear just crunch, crunch, crunch slowly coming. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm thinking, maybe hit, hit the ground on the hillside, and he's just coming up, and I'm going to come up at the field edge here, and about that time, I see something white, and I, and I get down on the gun, and about that time, I'm like, wait a minute, something ain't right here, and I mean, I and I don't remember if I had safety off or not, but... All of a sudden, I look down my gun barrel, and I've got somebody's white face coming up at me. Wow. I mean, and I'm – but that's how accidents happen. But yeah. at the end of the day, what happened was was the person that's coming down my gun barrel was coming from the neighbors, crossed the fence, trespassing, going up, didn't care. Sure, I mean, very well, very, very well could have been one of those mornings that three seconds later, somebody couldn't shot in the face. And, I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd have had time hard time living with that, but that's always – you know, we all get out there and – Kind of that reminder of be sure of your target. I had the same
0: thing happen a couple years ago, and I was hunting midday. It was late morning, midday, and uh, I just kind of went out to an open area where I could see, you know, a lot of different places and just doing some random calling and stuff. And all of a sudden I look 70 yards from me, and uh, I could, you know, hear something. And I'm watching. I'm like, what is going on over there? And all of a sudden, up from the the timber – I see a turkey coming up. I thought, oh, shoot. So I'm getting my gun ready. Well, then all of a sudden I it's not just a turkey. It's a turkey decoy sticking out of the back of some dude's backpack, and he's coming up into my field. That's scary. And I thought, holy smokes, what is going on here? So um, I'm watching him to see what he's doing, and uh, he was uh, looking for me as being the, the hen, calling, And so – he kind of snuck around to the edge of this point, and he was kind of peeking around the corner, and I'm clearly watching him. He has no idea where I'm at. I'm behind him. And uh, so then he, he decides to take back off and head back towards the timber, so I thought, well, I'm going to go confront him. Um, didn't grab my shotgun for some reason when I did this, and you'd think a cop would realize, hey, you got some guy that has a gun that is trespassing, you know, bring your gun just in case. But I didn't. Luckily, it all ended well. But went and identified him, figured out who he was, uh, asked him what he was doing, and he said that uh, you know he he thought he, he had been on a gobbler and that it had come up to my property, and he was trying to close the distance on him. Um, and I told him that he's full of it because I've been out there all morning, and there had not been a gobbler gobbling because I would have been on him myself. Um, and you know, got to, you know a story about uh, how he thought uh, somebody else was leasing my property. He knew that I owned it, but thought somebody else had leased it because he always seen his truck in my property all the time. And that uh, he thought that would be okay for him to hunt it then because somebody else was leasing it, um, which obviously did not uh, was not the case um, and did not end well. And I did uh, pursue legal legal charges on him and um, hated to be that guy. But, man, this could have ended well for – or it not ended well for a lot of people. <coughs> and that's the thing. If you're going to be out there turkey hunting and you're going to be crossing fences, make sure you have permission. One, just because it's legal, you know, it's don't be trespassing. But for two – if, if you don't know who's hunting this property that you're walking on, uh, I don't think I want to be walking through there in full camo, stealthy, you know, trying to find uh, this noise. So um, let's not get ourselves shot. It's not worth it over a turkey. So
1: this has been a great podcast, Mike. We've heard we've heard the longest doe hunting story in the world. <laughs> there she was, yep. standing broadside. And the, and the turkey safety is getting pretty lengthy too. Yep. Yeah, well, it's good.
0: Tur- no, turkey season's coming. We're making up.
1: up for lost time.
0: Yeah, so it's there's a whole reason. There's a reason I started a podcast. I like to talk. That's right. So if I didn't like to talk, I probably wouldn't have started a podcast. So a there talk. is uh, no doubting that. Yep. So we, we all agree. <laughs> no, the, that's that's the number one thing. I I enjoy talking about it and uh, looking forward to doing some more. Hopefully, here in the future, uh, the Deerland podcast is down, but it's not out. So uh, we still got a lot of great ideas, and uh, hopefully, we can bring you some regular content. Coming up here in uh, in the short uh, the short future. So, uh, anybody else have anything else before we wrap things up here this evening?
1: Just a, can't wait for this spring and shed season coming up. We ought to do a little shed. Uh, maybe get together and do a shed rally.
2: Shed. Ra- I'm looking for a little bit of burning.
1: And yeah we yeah we got yeah, to be gotta gotta another
0: topic. stuff yeah and that's another that's the one thing I wanted to get into was you know this whole government shutdown kind of put the 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 screws into my plan of, for one, getting paid for habitat work I did last year that I've submitted my receipts for, but trying to get new stuff done. I mean, it's just been a pain in the neck. Luckily, I did hear from our uh, district uh, conservationist and touch base with me and let me know at least what was going on. Another another ordeal there, but uh, yeah. So that's going to be another thing on the mind is some habitat improvement and. And Tyler is itching just to start going out and get that drip torch out mm. and just throwing
2: a, throwing put, out the Boy Scout gas and diesel together and it's lighted up. Yep. Get a get a
1: plan.
0: So uh, that Maybe. will be coming on the pipe. Hopefully the weather cooperates this year because it sure didn't last year. We never got it done. So, um, all right, guys. Well, that's gonna wrap it up here on this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope that uh, you're still enjoying what we're bringing you. We're gonna try to keep uh, bringing it to you on a regular basis here if at all possible. So make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube. We're, we're all over the place, Deerland Podcast, thedearlandpodcast.com. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think, anything that you would like to see improved or maybe something for us to talk about that uh, we haven't or maybe we've talked about it but you want to hear us uh, go a little bit deeper on a particular subject. We would love to hear that from you. So until next time, we'll see you then. back.